welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have author Rachel Stewart returning. Welcome back to the podcast. How has 2022 been treating you? Hey guys, thank you so much for having me back. I am so honored to be here. Um, I don't know how you guys do this with everything else that you have in your life, but I just love coming on and talking to you lot because you just make me feel so good and energized about romance. (laughs) But yes, especially in 2022, I think having come off the back of COVID and not been able to go anywhere to have a year where we've been able to see people, go on holiday again, do activities, it's it's been really good and refreshing. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Well, one thing we have to ask you about is your recent trip to Portugal. The photos you were posting on Instagram were stunning. We loved seeing what you were eating. And of course, we love knowing what Rachel Stewart is taking as her like vacation reads. So overall, how did you enjoy the trip? Oh, it was amazing. I just love that whole like shutting down for two weeks. Family is so important to me. So having that time where you just spend time with the kids, with your husband, a bit of adventure, a bit of cycling, a bit of yachting. That was good fun. My first time on a yacht. <laughs> amazing. And obviously getting get time to read and not be writing, but actually reading and um, refilling the well, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah was definitely. it your first time to Portugal or, or what? We're quite lucky because our neighbours own a villa in Portugal. So we've been before and we we were supposed to go just before COVID hit the first time round. So it was delayed from then. So I think we were supposed to go in 2020, I think. And um, and yes, so we got out there this year. And it is, it's just it's just lovely. The temperature is perfect. The kids love it. We've got the pool. And um, and yeah, I just get to read loads. I think I've read four or five books this time. So it was, <laughs> it was great. I have to ask, are you a fast reader? Because like, I mean, I love keeping up with what you're reading. And I'm like, she seems like she's just like zooming through these books. I think, yeah, I think part of it is I like to ride on a Watt bike. So I've got like an indoor bike and I can read when I'm on the bike and it just totally distracts me. So I love reading when I'm on the bike and I'm on there for an hour every day. So I can get some reading done then. Um, and yeah, I suppose when I'm on holiday as well, I don't get many interruptions. So the kids just leave me to it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's chat about your most recent Mills and Boone True Love Harlequin Romance title, My Year with the Billionaire. Will you share the elevator pitch for the book? I am so rubbish at elevator pitches. Does everyone say this to you? I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many ways to describe one book, and it's so hard thinking of the, the best the best line to give it. So I'm going to steal my two-line pitch, actually, from my um, my um, what we call the um, author fact sheet, which is what we provide when we summarize our book for the um, art department to build the cover off. So... Here we go. I'm going to read it. (laughs) Total opposites. Edward and Summer know how it feels to be emotionally rejected. Sworn off love, they're content to live alone. But when Edward's late grandmother plays matchmaker with a conditional inheritance that forces them into close proximity, sparks fly and they find their life rule to go it alone is as brittle as the wall around their hearts. (laughs) That is and that is how you do a pitch, people. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> honestly I sit there for ages banging my head against the wall while I try and do it and then I go to my editor does that sound all right like that's brilliant we'll use that that's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay so take us back to the beginning how did Summer and Edward's romance come to you oh do you know it's it's probably really sad now but you know um Twilight 
and Edward and how he sort of and how he has to sit on the sidelines quite a bit at the beginning and he's quite aloof but he's I think he's quite envious of how Bella can live her life and stuff and so it was a bit of that um whole he has a very strict upbringing he's aristocratic he has um he's obviously gone to public school um he's had to live a certain way whereas she sort of comes along with no rules and she's carefree and a bit wild and he's just watching her from afar and he's kind of like oh my god like I want to live like her but I can't live like her so it's all started like that and then it was building building a story that would force them together and not be able to like break apart because they're so different as well if they had a reason if they had a way of getting out of that building together then I don't think it would work I think they have to be forced together for an extended period for them to realize just how much they're in love with each other and how well they do work and how they balance each other if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we get to know so much about Summer and Edward in the book's prologue, specifically how different they are. We'd love to hear you talk about crafting that scene. That one sort of came fully formed, that prologue. I think it was, again, it was the whole thing of Edward seeing her um, from afar and envying her. So in that scene, it's a lovely, it's a gorgeous day in Scotland. And she's at the end of the dock in her denim, uh, short denim shorts, very short shorts. <laughs> Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she's um and she goes for a swim in her clothes and he stood back watching this she doesn't know that he's there and um and it sort of demonstrates he's there in his prim and proper sweater polo shirt you know and and he watches her just dive into the water fully clothed and he's just like what is this girl doing is she insane um so you immediately get that social difference between them and the fact that they are very very different characters um and then of course she starts smoking which is a bit of a taboo but <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Aaron about it I, I like we were talking about it and I was like she was smoking and he's like I didn't think you could smoke in Harlequin Bills and <laughs> <laughs> I know, <laughs> and she's she's just so daring. He's just looking at her like you're nuts, <laughs> you're totally nuts. And I just loved that. So that scene really just wrote itself, and it did. It was the idea was to demonstrate just how different they are. That she is the rule breaker, and he's just totally not the rule breaker whatsoever. And she taunts him, and the setup is there in that she's saying this is going to be a really interesting summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like like there's one sentence that I looked back on and I was like, this just feels like such an Easter egg for the story. But like he sees her jump into the water and he's come to tell her that dinner's ready or dinner will be ready shortly. And he's like, do you have a towel or anything to like dry off dry clothes? And she says, do I look like I came prepared? And I was like, that is them right there. Yeah, that was it. I just loved it. And, and then when he passed her the jumper to actually put on to like protect protect her modesty because yeah. she's through now and she just sits on it. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just so much fun. I loved writing that scene. <laughs> how how do you know when it's correct or when it's right to put a prologue in? Because typical writer advice is, is start off with what's going on right now. Yes, get into Ooh, the yeah. story as soon as possible. It's it's really funny actually because I started off with a prologue with my current whip that I'm doing, my current book, and um, and I realised as I was writing it, it got longer and longer, and I thought actually this is the front story. This this needs to be as part of the book, and then it will be like a month delay, and then it'll move in, it'll carry on forward. Whereas with the prologue in this case, I felt it was really important to get the reader understanding their old relationship off the bat. So understand their differences when they first meet and that pull that begins at that point between them, that attraction. 
Um, it felt like it needs to be there right at the beginning because then obviously when they come together in chapter one, they've not seen each other in such a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I needed the reader to believe that connection did exist even though they've not seen each other for so long. Because it's quite hard, I think, to be apart for so long and the reader believe, can they really make it work now after all that time? Wouldn't they have come together before now? So, yeah, it just felt really important that the reader had that flash of the past right at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, so you said that that scene came to you fully formed. So, like, had you already started writing the the story and then that scene came to you and you were like oh this is the prologue or did you start with that scene I think yeah I think that was like I think you want to understand how how they feel when they first meet and I think in my head I'm sort of painting this scene out and I thought oh this is this is just perfect this will work really well it's a snapshot isn't it because you don't want a prologue to go on too long so it has to be very short to the point and get the message across that you need to give the reader and then move on straight into the front story yeah I, I just have to say like that is a classic scene I think it's like it's an unforgettable scene for anyone that has not read the book or has read the book I hope that you reach out and and let us know if you agree or not but like it's just I don't know it's like this is true love this is Harlequin romance like this scene (laughs) is so unfortunate. like the smoking her jumping into the water and I think also I was so nervous I was a bit nervous about this particular book because it was my first first person point of view true love mm-hmm. as well so I've written all third up until now and um, I said to my editor I really want to write a first person can I do it for my next book and she was like yes off you go and um, and I think sometimes they lend themselves quite nicely as well first person to a prologue like that I feel like we've been seeing more first person mm-hmm. and I'm I'm excited about it like how did it did it come naturally did you find it difficult at all to write yeah I find it quicker to write in first person um and sometimes yeah I mean sometimes the story just lends itself to first person more I think and I did really really enjoy it with this one definitely yeah well we love when there is this larger than life presence who looms throughout the story yet is never actually on the page, which in this story is Edward's gran, yeah. who was Summer's foster mother at one point. So can you talk about writing someone so important yet never having them actually on the page? Oh, I mean, she's she was so fundamental. I think I brought in her, I brought in her letters, obviously, because I wanted people to understand the bond that she had with both Edward and Summer. Um, and I wanted people to understand why Summer was special to her um, and I think her motivations for fostering and things like that I really wanted to get into the story but the biggest thing that she did was it wasn't just the fact that she forces them together through obviously orchestrating it all with the inheritance but it was the fact that in those initial scenes because you've got kind of enemies to lover situation going on at the beginning haven't you because obviously Edward's broken hearted that Summer left without saying goodbye Summer's very fearful of him um, and how she feels about him and so the grandmother becomes the bond in those initial chapters it's their shared grief over the grandmother that actually brings them together and gives yeah. us that, that bonding which was really important obviously because you need to you need to see how they're slowly coming together again and she was a big you know a big force in that and it wasn't just physical like you are going to live together it was that emotional bond over their grief well a big driver of the story is Grand's request for the ancestral home after she passes what inspired this choice for the story 
so yeah so I think like I was saying before it was it was having um it was a way of forcing them back together longer than just a funeral would be or a few days it had to be a way of making them live together for an extended period so that they could be in that one place and I think also to have all the history that they've been through there as well yeah um so yeah you've got Summer who's very flighty she never stays in one place very long or sets down roots or anything like that and you've obviously got Edward who can't wait to be away from her again because he's scared of falling in love with her all over again and she's going to leave so you needed a way of being able to stick them together in the same building and physically make them (laughs) (laughs) make them spend that time together and work together yeah Edward is like he is kind of like angry and heartbroken a little bit that Gran did this like why would you bring her back like you captured his hurt so well like you're reading the book and you're like dang Edward cut her some slack but then you understand like he's he falls for her and then she just like leaves but you know Summer too like she's not used to putting down roots and she has this thing like my mom didn't want me I've been living in the foster care system so it's like she protects herself too so like he's like he is ticked off at his grand for a brief moment of time like why would you leave this house to her and me I love. No, I loved it. I, I just love that first opening scene when they were, when they were in, in the solicitor's office, and he's like, "Who are we waiting for? Why am I sat here waiting for somebody? Can't we just get on with this?" And then she just walks through the door, and it's like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Yeah. <laughs> and again, he's all like prim and proper, put together, Edward, and I think it's like raining outside, and she's just yeah. like storming in late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. It is. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. But it was like, and it was also trying to make the reader sympathetic to her because that's really hard. Obviously, you've got this woman that's run away and as far as he's concerned, hasn't really been around much. And it's just, it's making the reader sympathize with her and understand why she's like that. And so even at the beginning when she's late to get to the meeting with the solicitor, it's because she stopped to help people. She's been Mm -hmm. doing X, Y, Z. She's not just made intentionally, she's not intentionally late. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it was constantly um, trying to make sure that you've got that reader sympathy all the time as well, which is a bit of a challenge with, you know, stories like this. And um, and hopefully, hopefully I pulled it off. You, you did. You did. OK, talk <laughs> about the, the Halloween fairy tale ball. Like, where, well, where did that idea come from? This is it. So you you and Sarah, I can thanks for this, because one day on the podcast, you were talking all about how you love Halloween um, and like that kind of like fall books. And you don't really see many Halloween books out there. And I was like, that's so that's so true. I never see a Halloween book. I mean, why don't we do more of this? And so that got me thinking then. I was like, hang on a minute. So if I have a, have a charity ball and Halloween and then we can have pumpkins and then went from pumpkins to Cinderella. Yes. <laughs> so it naturally became a fairy tale Halloween ball. And I thought, oh my God, I get to get them dressed up. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Edward's like, well, what am I going to be? And she's like, Prince Charming, of yes. course. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. This has got Rachel Stewart written all over it. (laughs) I just love the fact she's totally ribbing him at that point as well. Yeah, "Yeah, you're going to be Prince Charming. so much fun and I think also the castle itself because the setting was so mystical and I just love painting that picture like when he saw the mist lifting over the lake of the lock and it just it just painted that lovely fairy tale magic and I just thought this is perfect for like Halloween ball it's going to be amazing (laughs) and that was it just ran with it well good job Brie or you're having an influence on on the authors (laughs) thank you for listening (laughs) 
<laughs> you see, I wanted everything on the cover. I was like, please give me pumpkins on the cover. Please give me like, you know, a ball gown and a Prince Charming. <laughs> oh, they nailed the cover. I was like, this is a romance with a fall oh, cover. Like, so oh, my pretty. God. I yeah. love the colors. <laughs> well, it felt so perfect for Summer's character to be a travel influencer. What was, was this automatic or did this come to you as you wrote the book? So yeah, this is an interesting one because I needed Edward to have a means of looking at her life and going back over what she's been up to. And when I was doing my Pinterest board, I was coming across all these gorgeous images of these backpackers and I was like, oh, this is definitely summer. So I was building this Pinterest board and then I was like, oh my God, if she's an influencer, a travel influencer while she's backpacking, Edward's got an Instagram account to go to and don't we all like to stalk? <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So then he can see he can see her life and everyone projects this perfect life on Instagram or whatever don't they it's like an amazing gorgeous life and so he's looking at her and he's like she's so happy she's so carefree she's been living the life it looks amazing and obviously your social media hides so much doesn't it so he doesn't see the fact that uh, you know beneath that big front actually Summer's lonely and she's mm. just scared of having a heart broken she's scared of setting down roots and having it pulled away from her so he doesn't see that what he sees is this woman living this amazing life and she's never going to want to stick around so it adds to his fear that she will eventually up and leave anyway because she'll go back to that amazing life and so it was very um it was a very good way for him to to add to his fears basically and the conflict that he's going through and yeah so it was it became very very yeah natural travel influence are perfect <laughs> okay what would prim and proper edward's instagram handle be <laughs> oh my god i know could you imagine it's probably like it's probably something like Eddie and Rufus now. He's probably like totally chilled out, like someone. Yeah. <laughs> he only posts pictures of the dog in the castle. And the snowball fights. But I, I love that you did that because it really made me think because I, I follow a lot of YouTubers that do like that van life. And yes. as I was reading Summer, I was like, what eventually makes them stop? Like a lot of them love that lifestyle and really yeah. have no plans of stopping and I'm like what would be the reason for one I mean what inspires people to do it and plenty of them have like you know really really just interesting reasons but like what is the reason that you stop that lifestyle so it really yeah. got me to think and I was like okay I want to see more heroines in romance who have been like living the van life renovated a bus and have been yes. traveling <laughs> That'll be my sister. My sister says to me that she's going to retire. She's going to get she's gonna get a new van. And then she's literally going to have no house and just a van. And she's just going to tour the world with her husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's her goal. So she's going to do the opposite. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, yeah. think, I think the thing with Summer now and Edward is that they'll travel together and they'll make those memories together. And that's why I, I like to tell myself that's what they're doing. She's going to loosen him up. You know, they'll yeah. return to the castle for the Halloween fairy tale ball. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So has your, would you say your writing has changed since you began publishing? And if so, how does it feel like it's it's changed for you? I'd like to think it's changed. I'd like to think it's getting better. I'd like to think that I waffle less. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> I think it's quite funny because you, um, 
you agonize over so much, I think, when you're writing, don't you? And you're constantly stopping and checking the sentence and it's like, oh, that feels a bit wordy and I need to cut that down. And um, I think I try and do that less now. I try and just get it all down and then I go back over it and when I revise it, then I think about refining it. So I think I've changed the process of how I'm writing. And I do think if I look at my first couple of books, I probably do cringe quite a bit, but that's probably quite natural. I think reading your own work is always a bit weird anyway. I can't. Well, I hope you're still writing with a glass of wine, you know. Oh, do you know, this is it. Isn't it? Wine's dangerous. Well, wine, wine makes me fast. <laughs> When I'm on a deadline, it's it's like a miracle cure. <laughs> well, I have to ask you, Rachel, you write the most like dreamy love scenes. Like they're super hot, but they're also they have this this I don't know how to describe it, but they have the Rachel fantastical... Stewart twist yeah. to it. <laughs> <laughs> and and your your analogies that you put in there are just so perfect. Like, does that just come with being English or or do you do you work in this? <laughs> recently i've got a couple of um i've got a swedish friend and i've got another one that reads and can who's bilingual so she can speak german and english and i've had them read my translations and they do say to me it's funny you just said that they do say that sometimes the translations they're never quite the same they'd rather read the original the english version because there's something that it just loses in between i don't know whether that's Mm. to do with how i describe things or or whatever but um, I don't know. Sometimes I worry I'm too wordy in them. I'm like, oh, there they are in their head going, oh, my God. <laughs> but they're, they're losing themselves in that moment. And yeah. so sometimes it's like really hard to not say too much, but at the same time say enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, I you're think not that saying you're too much. right. Like you're it's just like your voice. It's like you're one of those authors. If you rip the cover off no. shortly in, you're going to be like, oh, this is Rachel. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Aaron, you're so you're so right, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is funny. Like the one, the real challenge I've got with the book that I'm writing at the moment is because it is a true love, and um, and with Dare, obviously, you could you could go straight in and you could have sex and not really worry about it because obviously it didn't matter whether the emotional connection was there. It was all about you know hot sex and build the emotional connection. Whereas with true love, obviously, you need to have that emotional connection, and um, and so this one literally it was going to be a prologue like I said to you it's gonna be a prologue and they have sex in the prologue <laughs> and it's all on the page and I was like hmm this needs to be longer than um than a prologue and um <laughs> I would need more emotion so I have written it so when it comes out if it's made into the book I'll tell you <laughs> but it is it's really tricky I mean I've seen um Liz Fielding did it in um Christmas reunion in Paris she had sex right up front and it was brilliant it sizzled it was emotional it was perfect and I'm just hoping I've pulled it off with with this one <laughs> we'll see and that wasn't like that was a really bad way to say it what they pulled it off <laughs> I didn't mean like that <laughs> I promise. <laughs> okay, Erin. So we'll be reading Liz Fielding's Christmas Reunion in Paris. Honestly, oh, the passion in that opening is brilliant. The opening is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> okay, so let me slide a question in before Erin does okay. round out. So what advice, like for anyone that's listening that wants to write true love, what advice would you give to them? It, it's the old adage, isn't it? It's the old thing of read a lot of them, read and read and read and, and see what works and why it works. 
Um, and I think you could, if you're looking at um, writing for series, then it's really useful to read a presents and read a romance um, to do the comparison, really, to get a feel for why they're so different. Um, but yeah, I think it is because... I mean, there are different voices coming in. And I think obviously, you know, people will always have certain authors that they, they sort of lean towards for their voice. But ultimately, you know, they are still that emotionally driven um, romance and character driven as well. Um, and I think really with um, the presents, obviously, you've got the whole high fantasy element, haven't you, with presents, which you don't have so much with romance. It's a bit more down to earth, I want to say, but you still have your billionaires. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? I feel like there are so many similarities, but like the differences are super, I don't know, like hardcore. Like, I don't know. The, yes. the, the, the differences are just so definite, but I feel like there's so many similarities at the same time. But the yeah. things that make them different make them very different. Exactly. That's it. All right. Well, I can't believe we're here, but are you ready to get into some round out questions? Oh, yes. All right. You're going to the coffee shop to get some writing done. What's your coffee order? This depends on the day. If I've already had too much coffee, which is highly likely, <laughs> then it might be one of those fruit teas that you get. But if I haven't had enough caffeine, it'll be a cappuccino or a flat white. Okay. Because you posted a pretty photo of a coffee recently on Instagram. Oh, that was my cappuccino. It was a very big cappuccino, wasn't yeah. it? It was massive. When I ordered it, I was like, no, that's not the smaller one. <laughs> and it like, came at me. I'm like, wow. <laughs> And then I have to lick all the chocolate off the top before I drink it. Oh, it looks delicious. I was like, I want it one of those. very nice. <laughs> okay, so you've turned in your latest manuscript and want to treat yourself to a day of reading. Tell us a book on your current TBR that you pick up. I think I need to get like, you know, one of those dice or something you can roll. Because <laughs> I have so many. It's so ridiculous. But I do have, um, I do have JC Haraway's and Amy Andrews, their new medicals that have come out. So I've got those to read and I cannot wait. Um, I've also got Ali Blake's Whirlwind to Baby Bombshell. Now that's not out yet, actually, I don't think. But I've got it because we're both in this special release in Australia next month. Or is it? No, November it comes out. And it's, um, it's my, my Year with a Billionaire and her book and they're in a duet and I think you've seen the cover Brie haven't you it's like a it's like a very cutesy pink cover with like bewitched yes it's like an kind of, illustrated cover yes isn't it amazing yes. yeah it's super exciting. So that comes out in Australia then. So I've got her book that's in there with mine. So I've definitely got to read that. And uh, and I've also got Pippa Roscoe's um, The Last One in the Trilogy for the Royals of Spadia. Oh, now my you, gosh. You've read oh, that, Aaron. Oh, my God. I, uh, I don't know whether I'm putting it off because I know it's the end of that series. Because I've just, I've loved that series. That trilogy is just absolutely brilliant. And I can't wait to read it. And I know, I remember brainstorming the book with Pippa when she was writing it. And, um, and so I'm quite attached to it. I need to go yeah. and read it. <laughs> oh yeah, fun. that that couple was just teased so much in the first two I books, know. and oh, it it just it it pays off. Does it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I cannot wait. I'm so looking forward to it. So yeah, I think I think Pippa's gonna gonna pip it to the post. <laughs> In fact, she has to because I'm staying with Pippa this week. I'm off to we're off to London for um for the Mills and Boone author party, and uh, so me and Pippa are rooming together for two nights. So I'll be reading it. Oh my gosh! Okay, oh, so goodness. we need photos of this party. Oh, yes. Please <laughs> yeah. tag us in it, please, so we can <laughs> repost <laughs> before the police yeah, come to break it up. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right here. Yes. 
<laughs> Break it. <laughs> okay, Mills and Boone, one of these years, Aaron and I need to come to the party, okay? We <gasps> need to God. come to the party. I need to sow the seeds for that, don't I, this week? I need to say, these guys totally do so much for us. We need to pay for them to come over to London and party. <laughs> and then the police would definitely shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be brilliant. <laughs> Oh, that's so, so exciting to think about. Yeah. Well, tell us about one of your most recent unputdownable books. I am currently reading, actually, In Bed with the Devil by Susan Mallory. Now, I have never read a Susan book. Can you believe this? Not once. And so I was on Facebook the other day and she posted a little post and it said, out of interest, I went onto Amazon to see what my, my lowest selling book is in the rankings. And it was this book. So it's one of her old desires. I think it's about 12 years old. And, um, and honestly, I started reading it and I cannot put it down. It is so sexy and so funny. It's, have you read it? No. In I didn't bed. even know Susan Mallory oh. wrote for Desire. <laughs> oh my, you need, honestly, you need to read this book. It is brilliant. She is totally teasing this guy to death because he basically rejected her when she was younger. And, um, and he's her brother's best friend. Um, so it's got that forbidden element to it. So she's off limits, isn't she, basically? And then her brother dies. And it's, I think it's like a decade later. And he's left. It's, it's another Will story. It's an inheritance story. He's left <laughs> the house. And he's forced his um, his maid to stay in this house for a month. And she turns up as his assistant. <laughs> she's not really. She just turned up. And he's like, I'm going to get my own back because I am sexy as anything now. And you're going to pay. <laughs> and it is hilarious. They go to the gym together. And she's there. And she goes, look. Look at my boobs. <laughs> but it really is like, it's proper funny, like teasing, hilarious, hot as anything. And he's so stern that it's just brilliant watching him crack. So I highly recommend it. <laughs> so can you just like go into a book knowing like the bare minimum? Do you have like buzzwords like, oh, this says second chance, one oh, click away? Times. Yeah, I mean, I am... Um, Sometimes I do, like with book lovers, I had no idea what book lovers was. I'd seen it all over the internet and um, and then Pippa Rusko one day said to me, you should read book lovers, I think you'll enjoy it. So I took that on holiday, not having a clue what it was about and um, and just, yeah, was wrapped up and read it and loved it and it was fantastic. Um, but other times, yeah, I mean, enemies, enemies to lovers, I always, I just love, I love those kind of stories. I love the heat and the intensity in those kind of books. Um and I think like, I think it was when you were talking to, um, you were talking to Justine Lewis, weren't you? And she was talking about um, that whole, that unrequited love thing where you've lo- been in love with someone forever. Like the hero's in love with the heroine forever and trying to make a story like yeah. that work. So I find reading stories like that really enjoyable. I love them, but I think it's because it's really hard to pull off. So when it is, when they do pull it off, it's an amazing tale. That pay that payoff at the end when finally she realizes that she loves him. And, you know, I'd, I'd love that. I think I, well, I'm trying to write it at the moment. It is hard, but <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, so, that yes, was a good one. I do. Yeah. Oh, that one. I just I loved like um, the sister relationship in that one too. It was that, that was such an epic book. I don't know. Yeah. Emily Henry's so good. She's so it, good. Yeah, I think that's it. And I, I think I said to Pippa that she reminded me of um, she reminded me of the heroine in it. Actually, apparently <laughs> <Yes. laughs> her. She is. <laughs> It's funny though, because when you read a book and it reminds you of someone that you know, you can't get that person out of your head when you're reading it, can you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. That I think I struggled at the beginning. I don't know why. Maybe it was because I had no idea what it was about. And so um, and so at the beginning, I struggled. And then suddenly at some point, it just, it just took off and I 
yeah, I couldn't put that one down at all. It was just brilliant. Well, I'm going to slide in a question since okay. we, since we have you here. You know, Aaron and I are working on our Blaze project. We're focusing on yeah. yes. yes. We're focusing on Temptation, Blaze and Dare and you, you know, you wrote for Dare, so it feels oh, fitting. And this may have been different over there. So I think this will be interesting to hear your perspective, but we're trying to have these conversations about you know the lines where the sex sold yeah and in in the world of category how we can't really seem to like i guess find our footing with those lines you know desire uh, blaze and and temptation had a really long run i feel like dare did really well but here in the states they weren't in they weren't paperback yeah so it yeah. kind of felt like it was doomed a little bit but like over there how did it feel like did they were they like a beloved line where people go into the shops and like and buying them like what's the difference i think in this country our biggest problem is that um people don't know mills and boone exist still so it's a real strange it's very very bizarre and if they do think they exist they think they have they're all closed doors. They don't think they've got sex in. So even if you sat a dare in front of them, they would still think it would be closed door. Um, It's honestly, it's so bizarre. I posted on Facebook um, this week. I had so many books and I was like, you know what? There'll be people out there that want these books and, and I haven't got the space to keep them all. So I posted a picture of a pile of books and I said, if anyone wants some Mills and Boone, please let me know. And, um, and I can sort out getting these to you or vice versa. You can come to me. And the people posting were just like, Mills and, Mills and Boone, are they are they still producing books? And oh I was my like, gosh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like within what seconds, they're selling like two or three, like every second. Yes. Honestly, honestly. So you've got like your hardcore fans, but I think the younger generation don't really know the way around. And I think they're the ones that would really enjoy the sizzle and the spark and the heat and the anything goes in these books. Because they were, they, I mean, they're fabulous. I miss, I do really, really miss Hand on Heart writing for Dare. Like, I absolutely love them. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do some self-pubbing, I think, at some point or do something because I need to get those dares out of me. <laughs> I think I still have, I have a need to write those kind of books because they were just so much fun. They were, they were fun, yeah. Yeah, it was, the handcuffs were off. There was no, there was just no, you know, you could do whatever you liked. And um, and that was fantastic. And I think we did, they did try and push them in this country as much as possible. But I think there's still a very traditional view that with Mills and Boom. And I think breaking that is really hard. And I think that's our biggest challenge over here. And I think, like you say, if, if they'd gone on the shelves in North America, maybe it would have been different. Um, but the fact that they weren't on the shelves was a killer from the start, I think, sadly. Well, I I really love that you said that because Aaron and I were chatting about that this weekend. Like, you know, there's been a lot of of, um, discussion. There's there's a ton of new romance readers, right? Like the pandemic happened. People started reading romance. Bridgerton happened on on Netflix. People started reading romance. And we were having this conversation of like, how do we as this podcast that celebrates category insert category in that conversation like hey new readers give this a try as well and like let's be honest a lot of these new readers they want uh, the sexier stuff and category has had that so it's like how do we how do we insert that in the conversation as well and it's kind of hard because I do think like you said there's still this stigma that like that's not available within these books and it's like oh no it is (laughs) 
if yeah. that's what you want, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's why now they're saying that basically with um, with true love and your romance, you know, the sex, put the sex in the book. Put the, if, the, if it works, put the sex in the book. You can have it all on the page. And obviously it's not the same as Dare. It's not as graphic as Dare. But it, I mean, it is It is nice having that freedom to put it in the book if it if it makes sense to. Um, but sometimes the Harlequin romance stories don't lend themselves so well to having all the sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because you've got to balance the 50,000 words as well. Um, And I think part of the other problem in this country is that they see a a category romance on the shelf and they're so thin. So in their mind, they're like, well, that's like a buy a book that's twice the size for roughly the same price. Why would I buy a book that's half the size? What they don't realize a lot of the time is the print is way smaller. Yeah. (laughs) You're actually getting pretty much the same length book, but it's been printed differently. So I find that really frustrating. So people don't really see them as being proper books, shall we say, because they're so tiny. And that's frustrating in itself, because actually they're not that much shorter than a lot of the other books that are out there. I can't believe that people don't know Mills and Boone exists, like in the country of Mills and Boone. (laughs) Honestly, it's depressing. And when I go to this meeting this week, I'm just going to have to tell them about this Facebook, you know, scenario because obviously we still need to get these books out there and make people realize they do exist. You know, and they're fabulous. People should read them. Absolutely. And there's something for everybody. Like even if you are reading romance, if you don't want steam, there are authors that write romance and don't write steam. You know, I think this is it. I think it becomes, it does become a little bit more about the author at that point because. I guess some people don't want to read the sex. They'd rather have it close the door. And and so they'd like to know which authors are doing what. Um, So I guess it does become a bit trickier to navigate when you're a series reader and you buy all the series for that month. You are going to get a mix. Um, But yeah, it's expectations, isn't it, I suppose. And hopefully people get to know you as an author as well as the series and can pick and choose. Okay, so another interesting topic that I would really love to hear you talk about is, okay, tell us what have been some of your favorite TikToks to create and also (laughs) what motivated you to get on there? We've been hearing, you know, oh, we've been told TikTok sells books. How are you feeling about that? Like, tell us all the details. (laughs) (laughs) My kids, I think my kids died the first day I did it. They were like, seriously, is this really happening, mum? Because all my friends are going to follow you. I'm literally just going to die. This is just awful. <laughs> and, then my, and then my youngest, bless him, he was like, mum, you're doing it wrong. Mum, mum, that's not how you do it. Mum, no, 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 just stop, mum. Just stop. <laughs> I take the phone off me. He's like, let's start again. This is how we do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's the best. <laughs> I was awful. And I think I think it is really hard. But it's only hard if you make it hard, isn't it? It's kind of like you just need to go with it and not think about it too much. If you think about it too much, you're going to be there all day doing one video for like 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so it is like not caring. And I, I said, I think I think it's important. I think it is good to have a presence because I think people are on different platforms and they do favor different platforms. I mean, I love Instagram. I think Instagram is my, my favorite. Um, I love like an image paints a thousand words. And and I do. I just I enjoy that one more than any of the other platforms. I used to be on Twitter. I am on Twitter still, but I don't use it as much. I think it can get Twitter can be quite nasty sometimes and stressful. I find. I oh, think it is. Yeah. Throw things out there, can't they? Throw it out there and forget about it. But actually, there's a lasting impact of what you've just said, and I think that therefore that's a bit. I don't quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> I stay away from that a bit. And um, and Facebook's quite good because it links well with Instagram, doesn't it? So I tend to feed Insta, and that goes into my Facebook. But TikTok is just a whole new ball game. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it can be fun but I found recently I've been working quite hard I've got a deadline coming up so I'm working long days and what I'm finding is when I go to bed I can't stop thinking so the characters are like talking away in my head and I can't get to sleep so I, I tried the other night to go on TikTok instead I thought if I go on TikTok it can like totally reset me before I go to sleep well half an hour later I'm still on TikTok absolutely killing myself laughing <laughs> at different videos it totally switched me off from writing, but could I get off TikTok? No. Right. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like with Twitter, I'm like, no matter how many, like I've been very selective. Okay, I'm going to follow these people yeah. that I care about or like these people that are positive. They're not going to say anything. That, you're still going to come across the negativity. So I'm like, okay, you need to chill out on this. But like, <laughs> and TikTok, I, re I, I refused y'all for the longest. I was like, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. But like, I've slowly <laughs> kind of become addicted. Yeah. There are some hilarious people oh my on God, there. It's, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Some of these people were just born for TikTok yeah. to exist. Because they're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think the funniest one I ever, the one that cracks me up the most probably was I did this one with um, Jodie Ellen Malpass, isn't it? The, 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 uh, the, uh, the big author um, who writes all the saucy books. Um, she did a TikTok of preparing yourself to write a sex scene. So I split it and did a duet with this, this particular thing. And it was funny. I had the spanking paddle out and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you were a dare author without telling us you were a dare author. This is it. I was drinking my wine. I had it all going on. That was that was absolutely that was hilarious. Absolutely. I think my biggest video though, the one that uh, went viral the most, was um was the one where you're really excited, you've finished your book, you get to the end, and then you remember you've got to revise the damn thing. <laughs> That one, that one went, that went far and wide. <laughs> there was loads of sympathizing with that one. <laughs> well, from what we can see online, we are getting two 2023 releases from you. Billionaires, Island Temptation, and Consequence of Their Forbidden Night. Is there anything you can share with us about either one of them? Right, well, I think I actually have four, but the other two aren't up yet because I haven't written them yet. They're, in fact, that's going to be the two that come out later next year. I think the second one's going to be a Christmas release. I think oh. it is a Christmas. So they're going to be first person, those two. And these, the ones you just mentioned now, they're my third person. That's a third person duet about the billionaires. Billionaires for the Rose Sisters. So it does have a nice sisterly bond. And I've just, I finished the first book. I've got my IAs for that one at the moment. And the second one I'm halfway through writing. So it's um, Hannah and Jessie, they're sisters, and Hannah is a high-flying lawyer, and um, she's been working, she's been working for over a decade with the hero in the book. So this is the whole thing of he's been in love with her forever, um, and he's a partner in the same law firm, but he's also like a billionaire heir to a hotel empire. So he's got loads of money, he doesn't need to work, but he chooses to work, um, and there's a reason for all that that comes out in the book. But, um, but yeah, so the first book is actually the sister, Jessie, the younger sister. And um, and the hero from the second book actually loans her the use of his villa in Mystique, on Mystique Island, um, for a month so she can reset. She's heartbroken, they've lost their mother, and they, she's been sent there for a month to reset and get a hold on her life again. And she's having panic attacks, and she's she's not in a good way. So she goes to this island for a month to be on her own, and all his staff are going to look after her. It's going to be fantastic. But when she turns up, there's this very, very sexy guy and he looks like a handyman he's helping um board up some windows because a storm's coming in 
and um and she can't take her eyes off him and she thinks he's quite normal and down to earth so things get a little bit um carried away together um and then within 24 hours she realizes that actually no he's a billionaire he's best friends with brendan from the second book and he's been <laughs> stranded on the island with her very bad reputation with the ladies um and so he's running from his life because he's a widower and she's this girl next door uh, with her head in a bit of a state. And so you can imagine they sort of bond and have a bit of a wicked time together and obviously fall in love. But it's not without their, its trauma. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 was a love, that was a really lovely book to write. So that's the one that I've finished um, and that goes to print soon. Um, and then the second one is The Tale of uh, Brendan and Hannah. Um, yeah, the unrequired love one where they end up having sex in the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I know. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's all. This works out quite well. I do like writing about sisters, though, and especially when they're very different as well and they wind each other up and, um, and putting that kind of family dynamic into the stories is quite good fun. I just need to know how your brain works. Like, how did these ideas come to you like you because did they come to you as you were writing the books that came out this year because you had like four releases this year yeah it's sometimes I mean it is crazy I do I do have a bit of a panic moment sometimes when I finish a book and think I've got nothing left there's nothing left in here my brain's empty <laughs> it's, it's just silence and then my editor will say so what are you gonna write next and I'll be like uh, <laughs> like radio silence and then I might go for a run or I'll get on the bike or I'll just do something and my brain will just start building ideas and stories and it eventually comes to me thank god I thought at some point is it gonna stop that's the scary thing it well let's hope it does not stop okay <laughs> I, I, I do try and like log things when I think of something I try and write it down somewhere so I don't forget it because it's so often when you go to bed, isn't it? You get an idea and you don't write it down. And the next morning you wake up and you've totally forgotten what it was. Best idea in the world. And then it's just gone. <laughs> so yeah, I'll try and write it down when I think of things now. Well, lastly, Rachel, where can everyone keep up with you online? I think we went through it all. Didn't we? I think I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I do. I do respond to stuff on Twitter, but I'm not on there as much. So I'm on Twitter at Rach underscore B52. Um, I'm on Instagram as Rachel Stewart 3 how awkward. Um, <laughs> I'm on TikTok as Rachel Stewart author and Facebook as Rachel Stewart author. And I'm on my website, rachelstewartauthor.com. So lots of different places. And I am around. It just might take me a while to get back to you if I'm in my deadline mode. <laughs> but I promise I am around. <laughs> well, we support you working through your deadline mode because then we get books on the other side of it. So you do, you do. <laughs> I'm just so glad you're enjoying them. It's such a relief. Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out with us and sharing your time with us. It, it is always an honor to have the opportunity to speak with you. So thank you so much. And thank you for the incredible books. Keep oh, writing. It's up to you guys too, honestly. I feel it does feel amazing when you guys reach out to us to have a chat. It feels really special. So I really appreciate it too. So thank you guys for being you. Bye.